Hello there. Since we began Top Six for Life series around three years ago, it's been our endeavor to get you stories celebrating the smallest joys which, when nurtured, grow to yield a treasure trove of happiness. To trace euphoria to its initial moments of trepidation or plain oblivion. To crack the code of maintaining a fine line between consistently working on a passion, because it does require work, and infusing passion into work. Celebrating the journey rather than only its destination. And as we approach the season finale of Talks to Exo Life podcast, as we've known it, my conversation with Oyon Banerjee, Managing Director and Partner, Boston Consulting Group, is at the very core a trek into the mind of a carpe diemist, one who lives in the moment unfazed, unrattled, be it tackling unforeseen situations on his trekking expeditions or helping scores of mammoth companies tackle the unexpected in this unbridled fun segment, you'll know Oyon's favorite holiday experience, a scary traveling incident, and what a white elephant and Oyon have in common, among other lesser known aspects of Oyon. Have fun. Hey Oyon, welcome to the CXO Fun Fact section. Are you ready? for a couple of very interesting questions. <laughs> as ready as I always will be, Sunaina. Great, and you can't back out of any. <laughs> I'll the best. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, um, <laughs> I would have kept it. I usually start with a favorite color, cliched question, but since I've never really come across a guy who, who's named Oyon, I'd, I'd like to ask you, is there a story behind your name? What does it mean, first of all? And is it, what's the story behind your name? There's no story, but it is a Sanskrit word. And uh, if you heard of Ramayan, Uttarayan, Dakshinayan, it's the mm -hmm. ayan in Sanskrit, <clears throat> oh. which of course, you know, when Bengalis call it, it becomes oyon. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the meaning of the word is really the sun's axis. So the way you have Uttarayan and Dakshinayan, which is apogee and peri, so it's that ayan or Ramayan, which is the path where Ram traveled, it's that ayan, it's that path. So I'm the guy who's, you know, basically being walked over by a whole bunch of people. So, <laughs> Or the guy with the compass. So I'm sure you must not be losing your way <laughs> when you're on your trekking trips. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fun to guide you, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> so what's your favorite color then? I'm wearing one right now. Oh, is that blue? It's blue. Yep. My wardrobe only has whites and blues. Is it? Yep. It's only oh, whites okay. and blues and there are some shades of pink and baby pink that's beginning to now sprout. Oh. I guess yeah. <laughs> Good. So uh, does that color represent you as well? Do you connect with blues and whites? Or is there some very contrasting color which you think, you know, your personality jibes well with? I've honestly never given it a thought. It's just, I, I just feel that white and blue are very uncomplicated colors. It doesn't take too much effort to choose a blue or choose a white shirt. And uh, right. It's just grown on me over the years. Okay. Why not Why not a black then? I have one black shirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was for a theme party, which was black, and I was forced to go get a black shirt. But yes. Uh, black. A but I do have a whole bunch of black polos. Okay. Black makes you look very slim, but I, I'm sure you don't need that. I mean, you still look fit and fine. So, <laughs> okay. Something that makes, dash makes me want to head to the hills. 
if you were to fill in that blank gurgaon summers <laughs> okay uh, a dream trek i'd like to go climb uh, stoke kangri all over again um, and this time in winter ah okay the different set of challenges is it correct <laughs> uh common trekking mistakes to avoid as a beginner bravado <laughs> yeah i mean okay. that is if i just uh, expand on that a little bit i think so we've all in our younger days um, you know always suffered from this notion that oh we just have another 100 feet left oh it's right round there that right round there if you're on the last mile you know could pretty mm-hmm. much end up being a 3 hour trek and if you're low on energy if you're low on oxygen uh, and you know if your body's exhausted uh, at elevations of 16 17000 that could be the difference between life and death so yeah bravado is by far the most common mistake for uh, you know for beginner trekkers yeah i agree i think there's enough been said written by mountaineers also in terms of how important it is to take that call you know uh, kind of step back because your life is more precious you know you need to really be practical at that at the end moment i mean when it really matters absolutely yes so when are you at your peak uh, you know being at peak is essentially meaning that uh, you know you feel that you've worked very hard for something you've gotten what you desired uh, you know and along the way you've had a great journey so i mean if i just pick an example from you know my treks typically my peaks are if i manage to actually climb the destination that i'd intended to at the beginning of a trek um, there are innumerable locations where you don't do that for one reason or the other uh physical fitness is rarely one of those reasons it's almost always you know whether or the conditions were not right um but when you are standing up there you know after having walked through the night for 12 hours and you look around yourself it's almost like you're sitting in a you know on a plane and you look at clouds all below you uh it is a different feeling that you know no words no book can describe look i mean on the on the family front on the work front uh, you could draw similar analogies yes right okay so um you're also a photographer so a shot that you would like to capture a couple of my most memorable shots are ones which i don't have anymore and what i mean by that is i'm just reminded of you know a trip that we'd made to israel about 3 or 4 uh, years back with the family and we were in this bird sanctuary and uh, there was this place just before sunset or after sunset and there was a particular marshland visualize this you know sun has gone down sky is a majestic purple magenta orange red and in this marshland are over 50 thousand cranes and um, it was that place was just on the verge of being shut and i literally rushed out and i managed to capture the shot when all the all those cranes you know when the sun literally drops those cranes just go one up then two go up then four go up then eight go up then 10 go up and then before you know it there are 50000 cranes you know who are just like making a noise like you can't hear the person standing next to you and they just take off and then they fly away i captured that shot and after i came back to my car i said let me look at these shots and it so turned out that i was wrong mode altogether oh gosh so if i could ever replicate that shot it would be one of those shots and i have got a few such accidents that i have encountered in my last 
you know, whatever, over a couple of decades of uh, semi-serious photography, which I really, really regret. But if I were to be able to ever replicate it, those would be the ones. Oh, unfortunate. Okay. But what's the best uh, shot that you captured then? <clears throat> I I don't know if it's best or you know not best or as special. Yeah, yeah, the special yeah. one. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, there are a couple. I mean, if I just maybe mention one of them, one of them is in a village called Shoja in the Himalayas, and mm. it was a very uh, casual walk through the forest. And you know, when I was looking up, like one level up on a wooden hut with a cow's table at the bottom. and through the picket fence where two small kitty heads popping out you know one big one small you know with mm-hmm. stuff running down their nose and all of that and i have that shot it is still by far my most memorable shot because you know the look on their face uh, you know when you capture that it just tells you that how privileged we are you know staying where we are um, yeah. and uh, if you for a moment try to live the life of those kids up in the greater himalayas you know who are completely cut off you know we are like aliens to them literally i mean uh, i mean to me that is still one of that shot still gives me the goosebumps it was an accidental shot but it still remains one of those where you know if i look back i can literally tell a long story on that you plan to write never <laughs> any time no never no <laughs> okay which is your favorite holiday destination the mountains every time mountains Uh, my kids hate me for that so nowadays it's the balance is shifting dramatically away from mountains is it the beaches now it is the beaches now exactly it That's is the beaches and, and it's becoming more man made cities right right <laughs> that clearly at okay. the bottom of my packing order yeah we haven't been able to step out uh, so let me ask you what is an underrated innovation you've been most grateful for during this lockdown <laughs> so many my backyard actually you know it is perhaps the least visited part of my house for the last whatever 15 to 15 years we've been living in this house right. and right now my backyard is a full fledged playground you know i mean i you i mean you have a backyard <laughs> yeah you're in mumbai like we are just up each other's throats and noses <laughs> small pleasures right <laughs> right right okay a memorable traveling incident any memorable traveling incident anecdote you'd like to share good bad ugly scary what do you want to hear scary <laughs> scary okay um, not too many people know about this but uh, you know we were taking a trip from boise in idaho uh, to glacier national park which is on the border of uh, montana and the canadian side Uh, in fact glacier national park is shared between the two countries in montana and uh, we were all led to believe that you know roads in montana don't have speed limits but of course in reality they do unlike in most other states in the us where speed limit is 65 miles per hour montana has 75 but um, uh, i'll try and keep the short but you know riding on the two lane highway undivided it's like as far as the eye can see you know you're just driving driving you know you're like in a car for 12 hours before you get to the destination and an hour before getting to the park uh, we had driven for 11 hours starting early in the morning mm-hmm. and we had an hour before getting to our destination and we were perhaps in paradise you know in terms of just the vista around us so you know beautiful mountains on one side lush green you know farms on the other and there is a thin two lane road that goes as far as, uh, as the eye can see and as straight as the nose is mm-hmm. and we're going and we're trailing this big cart and you know eventually you have to march to the left you have to cover your mm-hmm. distance in front and march back so that you can keep making progress 
while we were doing that, you know, I covered the left and my wife and I, uh, we didn't have kids then. So I was doing about, you know, maybe 80, 85 or so, which is plus 10, you know, cops don't catch you. Uh, over 10 cops catch you and give you a ticket. So the standard is you go plus nine over speed limit. So let's say I was doing 84. And then you come to the left, you see that there is nothing coming from the opposing side. And then you, you know, hit the gas to be able to pass the car on your right. So when you're hitting the gas, you're going from 85 to about 95 thereabouts. And then you, you know, come into, come back into your lane and you slow down. But when I do that, I'm at 95. In a matter of a second, suddenly there's a pickup truck on the other side, right oh off. And I slam my brake. Yeah, and this is pre-ABS and all those funky technologies that mm-hmm. come up these days. And we do three spins on the highway uh, at 95 miles per hour and uh, come off on the other side of the highway. And while this is happening for about three, four seconds, I see mm-hmm. cars, the cars coming from the other side and desperately trying to stop. You know, oh. and Chubra is saying that, what are you doing? I said, I, I'm not doing anything. You know, the car is doing it. And when we come off the road, uh, there was this villager who by then had heard the screeching sounds of our wheels and all that. We came out, we were all totally shaken up. This was, we were much younger then. And when we look back, there's like 150, 200 feet of rubber marks on the highway and uh, not a scratch on our bodies. When we come out, the guy comes in and he essentially says that that 20 mile patch is almost like a graveyard because uh, there are, he said that there is, he gave us stats which was like 60 odd, you know, fatalities in the last 20 years because what happens is that while the road is straight, but it has these small undulations. Mm -hmm. An undulation, if there's a car in the dip of the road, you can't see it. And there are no warning signs, nothing at all. So Mm -hmm. he said that clearly somebody was looking upon you. uh, Otherwise, you guys wouldn't have been talking to me right now. So I've had a few such, uh, you know, cat with nine lives kind of ex- uh, experiences. This is just one of them. Oh, wow. Is it really nine lives? Yeah. <laughs> Someone must love you a lot. <laughs> but yeah. just for this, to get keep the record straight, I wasn't speeding. What I did was... <laughs> yeah, <speed. yeah. laughs> <laughs> Don't make yeah, it so I mean, <laughs> Okay. Now, um, okay, a wild animal that you think re- represents you. This I want to know. <laughs> Gosh, I've never thought about a wild animal that represents me. <laughs> right, you can think now. I mean, I don't think so. There is any wild animal that represents me. Maybe there is an animal that is that. Okay, that me, but okay, not okay. we'll take that. Okay, we'll take that. Any animal that represents you. I don't get uh, flustered very easily. Um, you know, I mean, maybe you could compare me to a wild elephant. Uh, wow. Okay. I'm not, I don't, I mean, I'm not very excitable very easily. The best advice you've received? I really cherish uh, Andy Grove's comment on, um, you know, only the paranoid survive. Um, it's mm-hmm. held me in good stead for many, many decades now. Okay. Wonderful. And it's not that he gave it to me. I read his book. So Yes, of yeah. course. <laughs> Tell us a couple of facts about yourself, um, which others might not really know. Uh, Shubhra and I have been married for the last 22 odd years, but we've known each other, uh, you know, I mean, we were family friends. So from the time she was five, um, that's a lesser known fact. Five? Oh, wow, that is something. <laughs> yeah, just bongs in a small town Cochin, you know, mm-hmm. back in the late 70s. Oh. Cochin, wow, that is something. That is a nice setup there. <laughs> Novelistic, you must write a book. <laughs> uh, I'll get a ghostwriter for that. <laughs> we were in the same city for about five years and 
then you know we moved they moved all of that stuff family stayed in touch and you know i mean she came to college in delhi um, you know i went to the us and then we got got married so that's about it yeah it's fairly mundane and boring the way you just said it <laughs> leave the book out we'll have to get a ghost writer okay but you tell me one thing okay uh, what was the when did you realize it was there like that moment between you two guys no not at all not at all nothing no so, nothing you know no no fancy no none of that stuff it was a pragmatic call you all made it yeah. was like okay ye karna hi tha karte hain ha nahi that it was like what are you doing in december do you want to join me in the us <laughs> so Oh gosh. <laughs> Sounds like a Zoom call or something. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll end this segment which is question. Oyon is How would you like to describe yourself? Fundamentally caring. Okay. Thank you so much for your time Oyon. Great to have you. Likewise. Thank you so much.